Hey guys, welcome to PT's Next Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're listening for the very first time, welcome. What you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists who are looking to basically grow your fundamentals, but do it in bite-sized segments of time. And if you listened last week in episode 41, we talked about the meniscus, its anatomy, implications for surgery, and what types of surgery they might do. But today we're going to dive a little bit deeper talking about meniscal tear types and also what those implications are in terms of how well they will heal. So if you need the overview, go back to episode 41. So if you remember from last week, the tear types that we mentioned were vertical or longitudinal, which includes bucket handle, flat and oblique, radial transverse, and horizontal and complex, which includes degenerative. And here's the thing. You're going to read a lot of different names out there. And so if you're a visual person, what I would do is, if you can, pull up a picture of the different tear types because that's going to stick in your head a lot better. In terms of the meniscus, as we mentioned, we can classify them in terms of like what zone they're in, like red, 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 white, 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 which has an impact on what kind of surgery or uh, therapy that we might utilize And then we also talked about last week how there's a medial meniscus and a lateral meniscus. Now, last time we talked about how the medial meniscus has a little bit more attachments. It's less mobile. And we find in our injury rates that the medial is more commonly injured than the lateral, potentially due to this. Additionally, another fun fact too, is that we tend to have a better outcome if that patient is having a simultaneous ACL reconstruction as compared to an ACL deficient knee or ACL intact knees. However, keep in mind, these are just in small and short-term studies, so there's future research to be done. But our tears are going to be named by region, so there's the anterior horn then the front, there's the body, which is the mid-portion, and the posterior horn in the back, as well as the root, which is either in the front or the back deeper part where the meniscus attaches to the tibia. And where those locations are, again, has an impact on how well these patients will heal. So if we dive in a little bit more into the different tear types, the first one I'll talk about is a horizontal tear or an intrasubstance tear. So these happen parallel to the tibial plateau. So imagine if we had a horseshoe and you are trying to cut that horseshoe in half, but you still want it to be horseshoe shaped. So what you're going to do is kind of butterfly it um, if you like to cook where you're cutting right in the middle so that you still have two horseshoe shapes. That's kind of the the line or plateau that we're talking about with the horizontal tear. And these typically are stable. They may be degenerative, but that's kind of like the surface that they go through. Now, vertical longitudinal are going to actually happen along the circular curve of the meniscus tissue. And these are going to be more like front to back. So these can often be in the red zone, so they may heal on their own. Because if you remember from last episode, the red zone has the best healing potential because it has the most blood supply. But they can displace to bucket handle tears if they become more intense. And that's just where the meniscus is torn and flipped over, just like a bucket handle, hence the name. And the downside of this is that can actually cause some catching and alter the range of motion of the knee, which if that's the scenario, then they would need surgery. So 
with that, it depends on if it's displaced or not. If it's non-displaced, potentially it could heal on its own. We do some therapy, bucket handle, probably going to need a little bit of extra help. Now, radial tears are the most common or transverse tears. And that's like if they're going from left to right or et cetera, but they're usually in the white zone. So in the white zone, it's called the white zone because there's not really great blood flow and it's hard for them to heal. And so if it's incomplete, then surgically they might do a partial meniscectomy. But if it's complete all the way through the meniscus, this actually causes an impact on the knee similar to like a total meniscectomy was performed. It really increases the load on the knee. So that probably needs a little bit more attention. Now there's also oblique tears, which is kind of a combination between radial and longitudinal tears. And it usually starts on the inner side of the meniscus, which would be like more of the white zone and travels diagonally outward. The downside is a small piece of the meniscus can be torn and flipped over kind of like in a flap, which can cause some catching, but it depends on the amount of catching for if they weren't surgery or not. And these are difficult to repair, so they may need a meniscectomy. Now, the last one I'm going to talk about on this episode is a complex tear or a degenerative tear. And these can be a a real bear to repair just because it's way more involved. And especially if it's degenerative, there's just not really always great quality tissue left to repair. And now this is this can be a normal finding on imaging because typically you'll you'll look at these with an MRI. But really the main deciding factor is is it the pain generator or not? Are we differentiating between this and osteoarthritis? Because that tends to be of high prevalence in patients with degenerative meniscal tears that it may not be bothering them or not. So utilize your tests and measures in the clinic just to see whether this patient's even appropriate for that surgery or not, or maybe we can just focus on physical therapy with them. Now, in terms of whether they are going to get a repair, um, an algorithm that I found in one research article was looking at the patient and the tear. And so the ideal for a patient who's going to get a repair is they're younger, like they're less than 40, they're active, They don't have any significant comorbidities and their BMI is less than 30, which is just less weight on a knee that's trying to heal. And another big one, their willingness to comply in post-op rehab, which sounds like it'd be intuitive, but people don't always realize what's involved with that, right? So that's something to consider. Now, in terms of the tear types, the ideal situation is that the tear occurs in a red-red or red-white scenario. And hopefully it's more of a simple tear pattern. Remember, degenerative is a lot harder to actually stitch up. It's less than three months old. They may even have uh, associated ACL reconstruction. They're able to reduce it without excess tension. And they may have a lower threshold for complete radial tears. So some things to consider. And with those repairs, the gold standard technique is is typically the inside-out technique where sutures are introduced from the inside of the knee and then knotted onto the capsule, um, which can be good for tears that are posterior and middle thirds of the meniscus. But there's also the outside-in, which is more for a repair of the anterior and middle thirds of the meniscus. 
both of these techniques are really more so just to try and reduce the risk of neurovascular injury. Because on the medial side, we've got to watch out for the saphenous vein and nerve. And then on the lateral side, there's the lateral genicular artery in the branches of the peroneal nerve. Now, a technique that's becoming more and more popular, especially as we have equipment that's better able to allow us to do that. And when I say us, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about surgeons. You do not want me to operate on your knee. But the all inside technique just tends to allow for more preservation of soft tissues. So something to keep in mind um, as your patients are going through you spend some time with your surgeons discussing with them what they like to use. It's a good learning opportunity. So hopefully that makes sense on the different types of tears. Not all tears are created equal and where they are and what type they are will affect whether that patient needs to be triaged quicker to surgery or to physical therapy and how well they'll heal. Now, if you have any questions, you can reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at ptsnacks. And then if you haven't already, go ahead and hit follow on the show. And if you have a spare moment, even just leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify really helps the show out. It doesn't have to be anything super intense. Um, if you would like to support the show, go ahead to the link below to buy me a coffee if you would like to support financially, but you can also support the show by just sharing the content, especially with people that you think it would be helpful for. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening and until next time. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. They deliver over 1,580 evidence-based physical therapy CE courses, including more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them and wherever you are. And MedBridge is more than just CEUs. They're leading the space. So from interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. So for a limited time, use the promo code PTSnackspodcast, again, you can see this below, in order to receive $175 off your annual subscription. 